Hey, I'm Sam. And I'm Lizzie. And we're queer people who love movies. This is Subtextual. Hi, Lizzie. Hi, Sam. Hi, tops and bottoms. What's up, you bottomses? I am so thoroughly pumped to be back in this new year talking about bottoms. I love this fucking movie. Mm-hmm. And we've got some repeat offenders in this film as well. The NYU Cinematic Universe, I will touch on <laughs> very shortly. NYU Tish. Yeah. Oh, my God. The way these people have haunted me. Um, before we jump into the episode, I do want to give a huge shout out to our lovely patrons, those folks supporting us on patreon.com slash pod. You could pretty much make us do whatever. You can pick what we're talking about on the main feed and what we talk about on our bonus content. If you're not interested, totally understand. You could give us a review wherever you're listening to this podcast, but we're just glad you're being a bottom with us today. Speak for yourself. (laughs) You are the least top person I've ever met. Oh my God, that was so me. (laughs) Literally so offended right now, except for you're kind of right. (laughs) You are a big old bottom. I'm a power bottom though. (laughs) Four wheel drive. All-wheel drive bottom. It's like a bottom that like has a lot of input in the situation. (laughs) Yeah, a bottom in control of everything that's happened before, (laughs) during, and after. Yeah, definitely power bottom vibes. Uh, Do you like this movie? When did you see this movie? I saw it with you, bitch. You don't remember? Just kidding. I know you're asking me that for the podcast format. (laughs) I saw this movie with my friend Sam in theaters. I love the director. I love Rachel Sinnott. Uh, I was so excited to see this film. I feel like the marketing team really clocked into my algorithm because I got served the trailer and all the promotional materials for months, and I was so happy. Um, I don't think it's the perfect movie, and I have some critiques, but I think if this director ever made another movie, I would fucking watch it, like, opening night. So, yeah, I love this movie. It's great. I'm excited to hear your critiques because I really, really love this movie. Saw it in theaters, haven't seen it since for this podcast, but I really, really loved it. As Lizzie was saying, the algorithm really hit me in my gay ass face. (laughs) Uh, I got served this trailer 10 million times. But yeah, we're talking about it today because it's super gay. Two lesbians, two best friends. They're trying to have sex with some hot people. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think it's like the inverse of super bad. Mm -hmm. I know we've considered Booksmart one of those as well. Yeah, like Um, coming of age, queer, single night riots mm -hmm. kind of thing. It hits a lot of the same specific story points. It feels like super bad and Fight Club and Scott Pilgrim all had a baby together. Definitely. So a little bit about the production. Mm -hmm. As Lizzie was saying, it was directed by Emma Seligman, who wrote and directed Shiva Baby. Which was her first film. So this is her second feature. God damn. Can you imagine being that good? (laughs) No, absolutely not. She wrote it with the one of the main stars, Rachel Sennett, who also stars in Shiva Baby and Bodies, Bodies, Bodies. Yeah, we've talked about Rachel Sennett a lot here. Actually, Rachel Sennett, we know you're listening. If you could just (laughs) drop a comment below, we'd really like that. Thanks. Can you drop Charlie XCX's contact info? I have something to say to her. Okay, actually, I'm going to charge you a dollar every time we see Charlie XCX this episode. Okay. Because I'm low in funds. And you know what? I have the money to spend on the dollar bills. Charlie (laughs) XCX has been my number one Spotify artist every single year since Frank Ocean decided to leave us behind. And Everything Rachel Sennett is in is like Charlie XCX coded. So together, they're like Batman and who's Batman's normal person? Robin? Bruce Wayne. Oh, the persona. Yeah. Yeah. You know what's funny is today at the gym, I think I was like unintentionally influenced by this film because for the whole hour I was there, I was listening to Charlie XCX 
only. And she makes a, a big uh, presence in my gym life. But even in the sauna today, I was like, let's ride. <laughs> like in the fucking sauna sweating. Like, yeah. No, me and my fiance, side note, went on a, a road trip and Vroom Vroom came up as mm-hmm. I was driving. And I had, I like switched it really quick. And she was like, why did you switch it? We love that song. And I was like, if I'm in the driver's seat <laughs> while Vroom Vroom is playing, we are going off a cliff face. <laughs> we are getting arrested. Like, <laughs> tickets will be issued to us by the police. It's a safety hazard for sure. But quick question. I know she did the score, but didn't she collaborate with someone else for the score on this movie? Or was it just Charlie? No, she collaborated with someone else. Yeah, so they use, like, original music by Charlie, and then they use some tracks from her second most previous album like party for you is the track that plays in the final scene and that was something she had written before but was she involved in the score as well or just the soundtrack i think she's credited as music by oh okay um, so it could be all all inclusive yeah what do you know about the other artists i'm just curious that she collaborated with leo burrenberg is known for cobra kai weird the al yankovic story and bottoms Hmm. he's a composer Feels to me like he did the score and then Charlie was like, here's some great songs. Yeah. You may have them. Not dissimilar to Bodies, 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 which also got a Charlie original. Oh, that's true. Someone else scored. I mentioned at the start of this episode, the NYU Cinematic Universe. We've got Ayo Adebri with Rachel Sennett. They both went to NYU and were roommates. Wait, what? Mm-hmm. They were roommates? They were roommates. <laughs> and that's when they met and befriended Emma Seligman. Amen. Amen. Um, I talk about the the universe, but we in Shiva Baby, Rachel Sennett stars opposite Molly Gordon, mm-hmm. who plays Claire in The Bear, and she also went to NYU. Uh, the person who plays Isabel, Havana Rose Liu, also went to NYU. Oh. Timothy Chalamet, and they all must have been in the same class. I love how you're like Timothy Chalamet. Just by the way, he's there. Yeah, but he he has a different flavor. Like I'm talking about the girl NYU type shit. Yeah, for sure. Um, but they're all in the same age range, so I just, like, imagine them all on the same campus doing gay shit around each other. Where's, like, the, you know, because dark academia is something I'm very interested in in terms of, like, music and books and movies. Like, where's the dark academia NYU Tish 2023 movie? <laughs> like, where is that movie? I guess Saltburn is pretty close. It's, like, 2000 aughts. I think we'll have to just use fan fiction. <laughs> <laughs> I guess we'll just have to turn to fan fiction. I guess we have to. Our hands are tied. I mean, there's nothing else we can do. (laughs) Um, And this film was produced by Elizabeth Banks. Yes, I saw that. We've gone on record saying let Elizabeth (sighs) Banks do whatever the fuck little weird shit she wants to do. Yeah, after Pitch Perfect, she gets to do whatever. I really don't care. God, so many repeat offenders. Yeah, no, this is like written in the stars for subtextual. Mm -hmm. Also, a huge connection that we have to the locations. This film was shot in our city. No way. How are you telling me this about my Wait, own episode? what? Samuel, you don't recognize these places? This is like within five miles of where you live. Bitch. I didn't even. You didn't even know? Okay, I'm I'm learning you some stuff right now. Yeah, this was filmed in New Orleans. Lizzie's taking me to church right now. Yeah, some of my friends worked on this film. Oh my God, because I saw it with Lola. She was sat in front of me and she was like, oh, my friend was like scripty or something. Yeah. And I was like, oh, I know the scripty too. Wow. Good job, girl. You kept things. Actually, no, there's so many plot inconsistencies. There's a little bit of. May love. <laughs> but I was like, what wait, what? Critiques? Okay, wait. Can I just jump into a critique or two about this film? I don't see why not. It's not even a huge thing and will not at all keep me from watching this film again or watching any further work by any of these NY Tish babies. But 
I just felt like the the stakes of the film kept switching really dramatically throughout. Like what kind of started this fight club was sort of this like pseudo attempt to highlight how dangerous this like opposing team was. But at a certain point, it became kind of about empowerment, kind of about getting in other girls' pants. And then at the very end, like their moral switch for like, we have to join back together is like that this other team is so dangerous but it's Mm -hmm. like we see no threat from this other team we just like hear a story once or twice that like (laughs) yeah they'll fuck your shit up on game day you know the ending didn't feel so like emotionally rewarding to me as it did just like the absolute fun of seeing these girls finally like kick the shit out of some football players like Mm -hmm. I thought visually it was very satisfying but I didn't really feel like they earned this whole fight scene alas this is obviously a universe that is similar to our own, but is like two universes over. That's my thoughts exactly. Like they, the reality with which the film takes place requires the audience to really suspend their disbelief. So when the stakes were shifting and the motives changed, I was like, whatever. It's They're- a little unfocused because you also don't even know exactly what the main characters want. At the same time, in my mind, I'm like, God, in fucking high school, you think I fucking knew what I wanted? You think, like, every day I didn't have, like, a new idea for what I wanted my life to be and how I wanted to express myself? So it felt very real and chaotic in a way that I think worked for the film, but Mm -hmm. didn't feel entirely intentional. It just felt like something I could interpret as a good thing. No, you make a really uh, good point, and... um... I think it's something you could maybe miss on the first watch, but once you've seen it, like as you're watching it again, something you're looking for is like a solid through line. So I definitely can see what you're you're talking about. I just think like for this type of film, a la Superbad and Booksmart, there's such a formula that has been created. Like I feel like you could just like lean back on that formula a little more and kind of go the genre approach or make fun of that or like subvert that in some way where this film kind of went off the rails and did its own thing. Again, all of this is to say I still love this film and I'll watch it. It's very rewatchable. I think it also really captures like a 2023 comedy that will Mm -hmm. be very like iconic for that year. And we'll look back in this in 10 years and be like, oh my God, remember when we used to say shit like that? (laughs) And and yeah, just a really fun film, which at the end of the day, like I want to see queer characters having fun and not worrying about coming out and worrying about something else. Yeah, it was, it's very rewarding as like, as Lizzie was talking about, as a genre film, it lives within the confines of that, but with a twist of like, oh, that person's kind of like me. I was yeah. like a gay dirtbag in high school that was like, why won't hot people talk to me? It's not because I'm gay. It's <laughs> probably because I'm ugly. You know? It's just because you're untalented and gay and ugly. Oh my God. The director, Emma <sighs> Seligman, she said she was inspired by What Hot American Summer. Yes. Uh, which so good. I can totally see that inspiration yeah. here. She said it. What Hot American Summer walks like a fine line between being absolutely ridiculous but mm-hmm. still like caring about the characters. Yeah. And letting each character, even the side characters, have like their moment to shine. Like whenever the spotlight is on them, I'm thinking of the football player, Jeff, for instance. Whenever it's Jeff's turn to be center stage, like he fills the whole frame. He's giving the jokes to their fullest extent. Hmm. You're seeing like full emotional reaction from him, which is great because he really is just kind of a plot device at the end of the day. Yeah. Um, The characters are so lively. Yeah, and uh, the director also said she was inspired by her and Rachel, because Rachel Sennett wrote this with her, uh, Scott Pilgrim, mm-hmm. for uh, the action sequences. So I'll show you some clips from that later, and you'll definitely see the influences there. But without further ado, let's get into the movie. Could the ugly, untalented gays please report to the principal's office? 
Guess that's you guys. Tonight is our night. We're getting the cooch. I'm gonna talk to Brittany. You can say hi to Isabel. What would I say? Hey, girl, how's your boyfriend? How's his penis? Mirror, mirror on the wall. I'm gonna expel you both for committing a crime against Jeff. We were just practicing for our self-defense club. So it's like a fight club? Yes. All right. So we start off this film. We meet PJ, who's played by Rachel Sennett. We meet Josie, who's played by Ayo Adebri. Two gay nerds with zero riz. <laughs> <laughs> and some, like, really bad fashion sense. And I say that as someone who didn't know how to dress my fucking self till like, last year. Yeah, the character of Brittany tells PJ, like, you look like a little Dutch boy. You look like you yodel. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. They are desperate to make some physical contact with women before they end up virgins at Sarah Lawrence. This scene is really good. The, the comedy, like, they obviously have, like, a lot of good comedic chemistry with each other. Yes. The dialogue in this film is made out of gold. Classic. absolutely great. PJ thinks it's their time to finally talk to their crushes, but Josie is really hesitant. I'm going to show you a clip from that scene. Okay. I'm basically going to show you everything Io Debris has ever said. Here's how it's going to shake out. I don't speak to the bitch for years. Bam, it's the 20th high school reunion. I show up, I'm in a little suit like the lesbian I am, you know what I mean? It's probably white, okay? She looks at me, I look back at her, what the fuck happened to her? She's washed up. I mean, Jeff has run her ragged. That's when my ass swoops in, okay? That made me so sad, what? <laughs> I don't speak to the bitch. <laughs> You know, I can't help but remember that you recently got back from your, like, whatever year high school reunion. Yeah. Did you not? Yeah. I definitely showed up in a suit like the lesbian that I am. <laughs> it's very satisfying to come back as a full-on gay person and just feel like you're winning a high school reunion. You walked in, you got a standing ovation, didn't you? Yeah. My English teacher was like, Sam. And I was like, like wait, is that the ugly gay untalented person from yeah. high school? Yeah, I guess what? <laughs> I'm still gay and untalented, but I'm a little less ugly. <laughs> I moisturize. <laughs> now what, bitches? Uh, I love this approach because it, it really, I love this scene because it paints PJ and and Josie really well. Like PJ is really forward. She really wants to make it happen. And while Josie- She's like the Jonah Hill. Yes, exactly. Whereas Josie's like, I'm going to let it happen in 20 years. Okay, Michael Sarah. <laughs> Which yeah. I can really relate to as someone who felt like her in high school. So they go to the school fair, and there's some choice dialogue where uh, Josie said, this school has such a gay problem. And PJ goes, no, no one hates us for being gay. Everyone hates us for being gay, untalented, and ugly. Because <laughs> there are popular gay kids. I'm yeah. like, I, I, but I love that, though, because this sets up as a movie that's not about, like, oh, they have to overcome their prejudices and, like, come out and, like, accept themselves. It's like, no, they've pretty much accepted themselves as much as, like, shitty high schoolers can. They just can't get anyone to like them because they're so annoying. And that is so real. It's bringing that social network line to my head where it's like, you're going to think girls don't like you because you're a nerd. And that won't be true. It'll be because you're an asshole. You're an asshole. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> uh, they run into Hazel, who's played by Ruby Cruz. Love oh, this character. Love Hazel. Love her wardrobe. Love her hair. Love her. I am dressed. There's a scene where Hazel is wearing my exact clothes down to my Doc fucking Martin. So I'm in the Hazel gig today for this episode. Love her. <laughs> PJ says, how was your summer? Were you at... Were you with your uncle at the slot farm? 
Hazel says, if you mean volunteering at the National Meat Association, then yeah, it was good. <laughs> I was like, does that mean that her family loves meat or she's anti-meat? Can't tell. <laughs> Can't tell. Hazel is so entirely gullible and like doesn't understand sarcasm. And and because they j- PJ and Josie joke about going to juvie, Hazel's like, wow, they went to juvie. Whoa, I had a crazy summer. <laughs> we also meet Jeff, who is the main guy. Jeff footballer motherfucker love jeff he's always in his football uniform i love that the football players only wear their football uniform yeah (laughs) we see that jeff is dating josie's crush isabel who's played by havana rose lou funny funny fucking character incredible character i love what Superbad does not do is spend any fucking time with their like romantic interests, learning mm-hmm. about them as individuals. But you know definitively you can watch a movie about Isabel. You can watch a full yeah. movie about Brittany and about Hazel. Like they all oh my God. are such fleshed out and genuinely hilarious characters. Um, yeah, so Isabel, played by Havana Rose Lou, and her best friend Brittany, who's played by Kai Gerber. Kai Gerber didn't receive any accolades for her performance in this film. That is terrible. She has some of the best comedic timing and dry affect I could have ever asked for. So dry. Wait, she looks like that bitch from the 2000s we were obsessed with. Rachel, she dated Bill Hader. Bill Hader gave her her first orgasm. <gasps> Rachel Benson? Ra- no, 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 no. Yeah, so Rachel, close. Rachel. She dated Adam Brody, I think, for a while. Wait, yes. Rachel it's Benson. Bilson. Bilson. She looks like Rachel Bilson so much. I thought it was her. And then I did the math and I was like, impossible. You wouldn't say she looked like anybody else? I mean, she kind of looks like the love interest from Booksmart. Would you say she looked like Cindy Crawford? Is she Cindy Crawford's daughter? She is. Oh, okay. (laughs) Very leading, but I'll accept it. I want to be 5'10 like Cindy Crawford. Love Kai Gerber in this role. Mm -hmm. Fucking, I could watch a whole movie about her. And so PJ and Josie try to flirt with Isabel and Brittany. Oh, God, it's so bad. It's like a train wreck. I have to show you a little clip of that. Okay. I'm Josie, by the way. Good evening. Yeah, you're skinny. You're a real skinny mini, aren't you? You probably should eat. I'm going to send you to the hospital how skinny you are. Uh Uh-oh, call the doctor. Skinny girl, I see. Okay. Do you guys want any of our tickets? Good evening. Like, tips her little hat to camera. Yeah, I mean, I wish I could just say some of this dialogue out loud, but it really doesn't capture the essence of the delivery. (laughs) No, Ao is, and Rachel both, comedic geniuses. And not to like read you, but whenever I met you, you were around this age and you were like juggling for women to get them to like you. (laughs) This is literally you. I can see why you relate to this so hard. I can handle the shade because I've grown. I only juggle for my fiance now. It's a very limited audience of who sees me juggle, but I your weird mating dance a la tropical birds. Some weird bird. I could not flirt to save my goddamn life. I was like, do you guys want to see me solve a Rubik's Cube? Like, I didn't (laughs) know. I relate to this so deeply in my heart. I'm like, you're skinny, right? (laughs) Wow. Um, Hey, you look really blonde today um anyway wow blondie it's just like <laughs> trying to create zero an inside risk. joke with someone who's not responding to you <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> ah, love it uh so after the fair josie and pj are heading home they're losing all hope that this is possible that they'll ever speak or have a real relationship with any of the women they're after and as they're in the car isabel is marching through the parking lot followed by Jeff and they're fighting and Josie offers her a ride and Jeff says 
don't talk to me, ugly bitch. I don't talk to girls in overalls. <laughs> She's not wearing overalls. Josie's like, okay, I might be ugly, but these are not overalls. <laughs> it's coveralls, bitch. <laughs> I love that. So Jeff won't stop harassing the girls in the car until Josie eventually has to move her car forward and it hits Jeff right in the knees and he like cripples over in pain. And this ignites our main feud for the entire movie. The footballers hate these lesbians. <laughs> and so at school, in order to not get expelled, Josie and PJ tell the principal that they were actually just practicing for their self-defense club. Fight club? Fight club. You get together and just fight each other? <laughs> yeah, here's where, like, the confusion of the the film starts for me a little bit. It's like, wait, are we fighting our own football players or are we fighting the other football players? It's like, do we just hate all football players? <laughs> yeah, I think they do talk about this other school, Huntington, elusively, and we never see anything tangible, which would have been helpful to know that, like, maybe they're murderers and they're crazy. But Like, one of the rival team football players is hitting on Josie, and so they have to save uh, – is hitting on Isabel, and they have to save her from this guy, and then he makes the feud or something. Yeah, well – It's like we never meet any of these rival football players, but we're to understand they're the biggest threat by the end of the film. (laughs) You know what I mean? Yeah, it's so funny when they're setting up the world that, like, nothing – like, this school – does not teach children anything they're walking down the hallways and there's an announcement that's like well the library is out of use again huntington shut off our remaining books (laughs) so there'll be no reading this year huntington got rid of the books i love that terminology (laughs) shut off our remaining books like it's like a utility like the light or the water (laughs) no more reading again this year (laughs) okay Yeah, so now because of this, like, feud with Huntington and the other school, like, apparently beating up people, all of the girls in school are really, like, concerned about protecting themselves. And so a lot of them join this self-defense group. Mm -hmm. So after they leave the principal's office, Josie doesn't really believe that they're going to be a self-defense club. But PJ really entices her and tries to drill her down with this idea of the possibility of hitting on hot girls in this fight club. I'm going to show you that clip now. Josie. We're doing this. Yeah. Listen to me. We teach a bunch of girls how to defend themselves against the evil Huntington killers. They are grateful to us. We build a community. We bond. We share. We connect. We're punching each other. Adrenaline is flowing. Next thing you know, Isabel and Brittany are kissing us on the mouth. Can you please tell me if you see any difference with the next scene I'm about to show you? Okay. Just fucking come with me on this voyage and just stop being a pussy for once and we can fucking fuck some girls already. I should buy Becca alcohol? Yeah, and we pimp. That way you know she'll be drunk. You know when you hear a girl saying like, ah, oh, I was so shit-faced last night. I shouldn't have fucked that guy. We could be that mistake. Those are the same clips, right? That's the same <laughs> clip. So the first clip is PJ trying to convince Josie to do this fight club. They'll get some, like, major coochie. They'll be kissing before you know it. And the second clip is, of course, from super classic film Superbad, which we actually covered last year. So go listen to that episode. But it's um, Jonah Hill convincing Michael Sarah that they need to buy alcohol for Emma Stone's characters so they could uh, become the Iron Chef of Vagine. <laughs> uh, yeah, totally the same character dynamics and... The same joy. It it almost reminds me of there's like a romance book trope called like Grumpy Sunshine where the two main characters, one's always like really happy and upbeat and one's like really grumpy and it works great. It's a great trope and it it totally works here. Yeah. Uh, I just – I really would love to see this movie – 
or like another version of this movie a little bit down the line with this filmmaker because I feel like it it does really good at drawing at those genre tropes but if it was just like a little bit tightened up for like the like for example bad for example I, you know I hate to compare them but the whole thing is like we need to buy alcohol and their whole movie they're trying to get some fucking alcohol so they can get kissed by these girls mm-hmm. And, like, we almost get that here with, like, honestly, a way better premise. Like, the idea of, like, a fight club is so much more interesting and fun and hands-on and actually puts them in the presence of the people they like. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, great, great character dynamics. In the words of Gigi Good, I hear your concern. I do not share that same, same concern. concern. <laughs> oh I don't have God. a problem with it at all. I mean, every, like, they live in some weird fantastical universe. I'm like, sure, start a fight club. It probably will get you some cooch. Like there are no cops in the bottoms universe. Like, no, at one point when they're like egging that guy's house, they're like, "Okay, be careful. If we get caught, we'll be fined like two dollars." <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, what's this universe? We don't see any red or blue lights, which is like all Jonah Hill and Michael Sarah are worried about. Exactly. Uh, during the first Fight Club meeting, only like five people show up, and PJ says, "What the fuck? These girls are ugly." <laughs> <laughs> Uh, So they, like, keep building on this lie that they went to juvie and they're, like, fighting each other terribly. Uh, And they're told that they need a club advisor. Oh, my God. Or the club will be shut down. Mr. G. Mr. G, played by Marshawn Lynch. Damn, the improv. Apparently, he improvised, like, 90% of his lines. I believe it. Because in the bloopers, they do a great job in the end credits where they just give you a bunch of character bloopers, which is, like, really all I'm looking for from a comedy film. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, every line he says, I'm like, how did they pick? Yeah. No, apparently he was, he was like, on a reality show called Murderville because he's a football player, if you don't know, Marshawn Lynch. Um, and... He was on this reality show and was just hilarious. And so it implored like Rachel and Emma to send him the script. And he was like, I've heard and I can't confirm this, but I've heard that he was unsure about accepting. And then he ended up taking it because he had a lot of regret of mishandling his younger sisters coming out in high school. Oh, he's being an ally. Ally. <laughs> shut the Speak, Valentina. Ally. <laughs> Wait, shut the fuck up. That's so sweet. Isn't that really sweet? Um, yeah, but he killed it, like comedically, timing-wise, and this is such a good character. He's basically the only adult we speak to the entire <laughs> film. Is such a good character. Yeah, apparently every actor I've watched the interviews and every actor had like a really hard time not breaking yeah. while opposite Marshawn Lynch because he's so serious and he's like looking the character he's like looking the actors dead in the eye while he's saying all this ridiculous shit and it's like so he believes everything he's saying. It's it's just amazing yeah he has such a such a presence i love this character if it wasn't marshawn lynch i'd be like get rid of the character entirely yeah exactly yeah you you have to see the character probably got more screen time than the script let on because (laughs) i'm just like yeah more of this guy yeah so they're asking him to like be the club advisor and they're like yeah it's about periods declining (laughs) egg count long denim skirts long denim skirts feminism (laughs) and he says why don't you ask one of the female teachers and pj goes we hate them and he goes makes sense makes sense yeah (laughs) (laughs) like the under every character addressing misogyny and being like yeah we hate women it's like oh, yeah. in this society is so funny because life would be so much easier if everyone just accepted that they were misogynistic. Yeah. You know, if you just tell me you hate women, I'm like, I knew you did already. Yeah. You could just say that. PJ is a <laughs> lesbian that hates women and that makes her a funny ass character. Yeah. Let fucking gay people be flawed and terrible. We've said this a time and time again. 100 percent. 
At the next Fight Club meeting, though, Isabel and Brittany show up and they continue to give, you know, PJ and Josie continue to give terrible self-defense lessons. And we see like a montage. Yes, yes. Let's go. You can't have a Fight Club movie without a fucking montage. And I love this montage because hot girls hitting each other is great. Um, But we also see that people are actually getting better at fighting. And they feel empowered. You can see it in their faces, which, you know, I've taken a Krav Maga Maga class or two in my life. (laughs) And knowing how to punch the shit out of someone actually does give you a a big confidence boost. Yeah. Knowing you can hold your own, even if it's against another teenager, is like (laughs) really satisfying. And we also see that Mr. G is becoming a feminist. (laughs) through this and hazel is making friends and pj and josie are getting a lot of physical contact with isabel and Brittany, so that's working for them um but as this is happening people in the school are starting to take notice especially the football team Mm -hmm. and they threaten pj and josie because they feel like attention is being taken away from them and there's a great line in this like montage and the scenes after where uh hazel says if we keep it up we can actually take on huntington and PJ says, if we keep it up, we can put our fingers inside each other. Grow up. Grow up. <laughs> I've been saying that nonstop for a month. Grow up. <laughs> Say it to like a child. Sam's like, oh, man, I'm almost out of beer. I'm going to go to the fridge. You want anything? I'm like, grow up. Grow up. I like trip over an extension cord. I'm like, grow up. <sighs> grow up. <laughs> uh, so after this, PJ and Josie implore the other members to open up emotionally to like kind of get closer to their crushes. And when it's time for Josie to share, she recounts her time in juvie and she just regurgitates the plot of the Hunger Games. <laughs> <laughs> she's like, she just starts rambling. She's like, we had to survive the tributes. Yeah. People were betting on us, the fighting reaping. for death. The reaping. Yeah, it's like... <laughs> So fucking good. And after this, Isabel is smitten with her, with, you know, Josie's performative vulnerability and asks Josie to study for the women murdered in history test. Okay. Talk about a class I would ace. Oh, I would be there. Pen, paper. I'm like, if Lizzie Borden is an option, choose her (laughs) every time. Uh, So Isabel and Josie are studying at a diner called But I'm a Diner in reference to But I'm a Cheerleader. (gasps) Sha. Sha. Oh my uh, God. And there's a moment where it looks like Josie's going to come clean to Isabel, but instead, Josie tells Isabel that Jeff is cheating on her with yeah. Hazel's mom. With Hazel's mom. She's like, it's technically not illegal, but still. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And Isabel is not having that. At lunch the next day, she dumps Jeff and she's. Isabel's out for revenge and we're going to see like kind of like the Scott Pilgrim yeah. influence coming in. So I just want to show you that scene. Okay. I wanted her to kick his ass in the cafeteria. I'm so attracted to women being violent. Okay. I, I really value when people use violence for me. It's kind of my love language. <laughs> Are you cheating on me again? Baby, no. No. No, why would I, why would I do that? was one time with your sister. There's one four times no i would never cheat on you again okay i promise you i am not sleeping with her i literally saw you yesterday shut up nerd i fucked your mom (laughs) (laughs) this movie doesn't give a fuck this movie's like be offended bitch i don't give a shit lizzie will you describe that scene so isabel approaches her boyfriend uh, asking him if he's cheating on her with Hazel's mom. He's a dumbass, so he accidentally admits to it. And so began our revenge subplot. 
where, I mean, I know after this, the girls go and like literally blow up his car with a small bomb because they're easy to make. You know? Yeah. Um, yeah, I love a girl seeking revenge. I wish, see, that's the thing. I wish it had been more about that, like more revenge. But at the end, they end up like saving his life. Whatever. No, no, I don't, I don't want it to be different. I'm just saying kick Jeff's ass. Like no one kicks Jeff's ass. That's what you wanted. I needed it. Yeah. In the sequel. Life will kick his ass. That's true. At the 20-year reunion. Oh, he's going to look Oh, Oh, damn. He's going to be working like uh, heating and air conditioning. Oh, yeah. HVAC. HVAC. So as Lizzie was saying, they get some revenge on Jeff. They explode his car. And then so this really escalates the feud with the football team. And the fight club assumes that their club is going to be broken up because they've exploded Jeff's car. And they're starting to say their goodbyes. And PJ is like really upset and she lashes out at Hazel Mm -hmm. and says, you have no friends and a skank as a mom. And Hazel just like leaves in tears. Do you think that PJ is so harsh on Hazel because she likes her kind of thing? That like immature, oh, you're, you bully your crush in elementary school type of vibe? Because they do seem to have chemistry that lasts throughout the end. Yeah, I think people have said like you bully people when you're insecure. Oh, she's definitely insecure. And I think seeing Hazel being really, really earnest and sincere is very bothersome for PJ because she can't take anything seriously. Uh, So when she sees like Hazel being like, no, I'm really glad we're friends and we've taken the time to know each other. She's like, shut up. You have no friends. (laughs) Even though they're very clearly friends. (laughs) I know. It's, It's so sad. I love Hazel so much. And after this, Isabel comes over to Josie's house and they hook up. <gasps> I love it. I love it because in Superbad, we're going to talk about that a lot. Obviously, we've said it a thousand times. But there is no, like, there is some closure at the end with their crushes that they have. But, like, this is a genuine moment. They both really like each other. Yeah. And it just feels really nice to just finally get it, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's very sweet and tender and feels like maybe a first kiss on Josie's part and it's yeah I mean it's kind of awkward which it should be the first kiss is never actually not awkward believe me (laughs) um and and that's another thing I love about this movie like the high schoolers actually look like high schoolers like Rachel Sennett's makeup is she even wearing any like she's got bags under her eyes they're shiny their hair's all frizzy even Isabel who's like the hottest girl in school like her hair is kind of frizzy it's not like Hollywood perfect and I think that that is great and maybe I'm just like accidentally dogging on the hair makeup team right now or maybe I know Louisiana has a lot of humidity so like what can you do um yeah but you know what I mean they look they don't look polished Mm -hmm. and the ones that do it's like Kai Gerber as Britney you're like oh she's like a unicorn yeah and she's meant to seem like that you know Uh, But yeah, the main characters are very much looking like high schoolers, which is great. And while this is happening, PJ's at Britney's house and they're studying and PJ kisses Britney. Oh, Oh, and Britney's like, PJ, I'm sorry, but I'm straight. She's like, oh, yeah. And to Britney's credit, she's being really kind and nice about it. No, yeah, she handles it as well as you can. And PJ is like really weird and awkward and kind of mad. Yeah. It's not great. And um at the pep rally the next day, Josie tells PJ, like, oh, me and Isabel hooked up last night. And in a moment where PJ should be happy for Josie, she's not. Yeah. She and, looks like, yeah, the insecurity is coming out. The claws are coming out a mm, little bit. Mm-hmm. And at this pep rally, the football team sets up a display 
uh, of the Fight Club, where Hazel, who initially expects to fight PJ, is actually met, actually has to fight this like football player that's so scary that they have to keep him in a cage. She's like a feral, barefooted monster. <laughs> Which she actually does like. I think she wins that fight. I know she gets knocked out, but she kicks his ass in the beginning, like Buffy the Vampire Slayer style. Yeah, no, she at first she really holds her own. Like someone's like, is she actually winning? Yeah. <laughs> but she gets like knocked down really quickly and it's revealed that PJ and Josie didn't go to Juvie and they only started the club to get with cheerleaders. And everyone leaves this pep rally really disappointed. The fight club is really upset with PJ and Josie. One of them says, I thought this club was for sisterhood, but it was for your own selfish interests. This is the second wave all over again. <laughs> Second wave all over again. <laughs> uh, so PJ and Josie have a, a falling out. So I'm going to show you that scene now. You never would have talked to her without me, ever. <laughs> I'm the one who made it happen for you. You know what's so funny about this whole fucking thing? All your little schemes, all your, oh, we'll have our year and we'll fuck so many girls and whatever. Is that you're the only one who didn't do anything. That's a great scene. Now, you have to tell me if there's any difference between that scene and this one. Since we were little kids, since elementary school, that's all we've ever talked about was us going to college together, and you got into fucking Dartmouth. You're making me feel like I'm a bad guy. Like, what am I? I didn't do anything wrong. I got into a good school. How the fuck am I supposed to get into Dartmouth? You knew I couldn't get into Dartmouth. How fucking selfish are you? I've wasted the last three years of my life sitting around talking bullshit with you, man. Instead of chasing girls and making friends, I've just sat around wasting all my time with you. It's the same picture. It's the same picture. And the the point I'm trying to make is I'm not trying to say that like, wow, Emma Seligman and Rachel Sennett just copy pasted because it's so totally oh, different. No. You're saying it's a genre film. I completely agree. And I think that this moment has to happen in that formula. And I think they both hit it out of the park. Yeah, you're right. At the emotional beats that count, it it is formulaic in a way that shows that it's subverting the formula by making the jokes go even further than they do in Superbad or Booksmart. Like, they are making jokes that are, like, borderline offensive. Uh, but they are, like, putting their whole pussy into it. They don't back off. They're pedals in the metal the whole time. And they're following this formula, but, like, including characters that could not even be imagined in the world of Superbad. You know what I mean? Not just lesbians, but, like, any sort of person who is, like, that shitty that they would start a fucking fight club. Like... Like, buying alcohol for a party in Superbad and starting a fight club in Bottoms are held at, like, the same level of intensity. Mm-hmm. And you look at one and you're like, well, they're literally bombing a guy's house. <laughs> like, just the way they push the boundaries of the genre is, like, frankly confusing and exciting. Um, yeah. Emma Seligman, what a great creator. Um, a great, a great, whether she intended it, homage to Superbad, too. I love that. You're like, they're bombing this guy's house and it's matched exactly with the super bad intensity of them trying to get those detergent jugs full of liquor. From like a beer party. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like we accept both as like the most intense thing that can happen. This is the most important thing in all of our lives. Yeah. 100%. <laughs> so everyone moves on. PJ and Josie are outcasts again. Josie goes to visit her old babysitter Rhodes for Gay advice. Gay Yoda. And she tells Josie not to go to the football game because historically Huntington, the opposing team, has like murdered one of the football players Mm. every single time. (laughs) And their pets. And their pets. It's bloodlust, I guess. (laughs) Um, 
so Josie having hearing this, she rushes to the football game. She finds PJ and they reconcile to save the members of the football team. And PJ says what the audience is thinking, why would we do that? And Josie says, because we made these girls trust us and then we humiliated them. They deserve a shot showing everybody what they know, what they learned, how fucking cool they are for the club. Let's save the day. Sure. Honestly, I don't need it. I want to see them kill some football players in cold <laughs> blood, though. We yeah, If they hadn't intervened, Jeff would have died, and that would have been good, too. Also would have been good. I wish somehow they were fighting their own football players. I just feel like this Huntington thing could be just, like, thrown in the trash. And, like, let's kill Jeff. I'm sorry. Am I the only one that wants to kill Jeff? We were so close with the bomb. Yeah, no, no, I get I get exactly what you're saying. I think this is a way to, if they were killing Jeff, then there would be consequences after that. This is a way to get, like, the fight out Yeah, without them actually, like, having repercussions afterwards from their community. We're here for the training montage, the gay kissing, and the fight scene at the end. I'm They're, so sorry. They are whooping men's asses, and that's all I signed up in, for. In, like, super slow motion. Oh, my God, I have to show you that scene in a bit. But first, they reconcile with... Hazel, other members of the Fight Club, and we get an incredible line from Hazel, probably one of my favorites of the film, oh, now you want a bomb, <laughs> when they need a distraction. A few members of the Fight Club have banded together to protect their football players, and Josie attempts to get Isabel and Brittany to come on board, but they refuse, and Hazel sets up this bomb, and as she's doing so, Josie finds like empty containers of pineapple juice. Which I, Jeff is allergic to. Which Jeff is allergic to, which they've revealed earlier in the film. And I hate so, to say it, but it might have something to do with semen. <laughs> <laughs> they're swishing it in their mouths and they're going to spit it on him. Um, so fucking stupid. This movie's so stupid. So stupid. I love it. We love stupid. Um, but the bomb Hazel made is not going off. So what do they have <laughs> to do to save the day? PJ and Hazel have to kiss. I mean, they must. They have to make out in front of everyone. <laughs> Quick, we need a distraction. <laughs> so BJ and Hazel are making out, and it's working. Everyone yeah. stops everything they're doing and watches these two girls kiss. And one of the Fight Club members, Stella Rebecca, who's on the cheerleading squad, goes, Oh, wait, I'm gay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gay. Yeah. And then Brittany is, says, Okay, yeah, I'm not. I just like gay porn. <laughs> <laughs> wait. Is porn even real? Yeah, Jeff is watching this going, wait, is porn even real? Okay, I low-key live for Jeff. I'm sorry. I love a bimbo. I love a fucking himbo, dude. This guy is dumb as rocks. And Porn even real? The magic of this makeover, like, dissipates, and the announcer goes, can we stop looking at the dyke parade? <laughs> that's what I call Mardi Gras. Yeah, that's what I call a day in my life. <laughs> the dyke parade. The dyke parade. So sprinklers come up and they realize that Huntington is going to spray the field with pineapple juice. So the Fight Club storms the field and now it's Fight Club versus the Huntington football team. The Golden Ferrets. So as this is happening, the cheerleaders who are in the Fight Club, Isabel, Brittany, and Stella Rebecca, join. And it's a full-out brawl. These women are kicking absolute ass. I love this scene. This is why I came to watch this movie. Yeah. I'm sorry. This was worth all of the $12 of admittance. <laughs> and and the $20 popcorn. $20 popcorn. Hell yeah. This was such a good time. These girls are kicking absolute ass. It's like slow-mo, but then we mm -hmm. also get like real-time shots. Everyone's doing great. Isabel, I need you to be in the MCU. Yeah. Bring her in. Bring her, Bring her in. in. She's already in the NYMCU. Mm -hmm. NYU MCU. 
Um, yeah, this reminds me of like Sucker Punch. You're talking about Scott Pilgrim. This is very Scott Pilgrim. Mm-hmm. It's very superhero shot. It's not, you know, because there's so many different kinds of action sequences. And I thought they did a really good job with this. Like, I can see, you know, how they f- were able to fake the punches and stuff, but it, it just made it more fun that they use like every trick in the book, basically. Yeah, they definitely pull out all the stops. Huntington is defeated. They're dying. They're dead. They killed them. Yes, we get the needle drop of Party For You, one of my favorite Charlie yeah. XCX songs. As that's playing, like a lot of stuff is getting reconciled, but they have a conversation, PJ and Josie, and PJ says, I do want to say I feel like you killed that guy. <laughs> we'll process we, it later. We killed a lot of guys. We'll process it later. Yeah, much later. <laughs> they literally just murdered like 12 people in front of an entire crowd of onlookers. I live. Uh, I live. I live. So Josie and Isabel make up. Isabel says, you don't. You didn't have to start a whole fight club just to date me. You could have just talked to me, which is cute. And we zoom out and everyone's celebrating. And then Hazel's bomb goes off. Oh. <laughs> Yay. Yay. Um, so that's the end of the movie. I, I want know. a sequel. I'm so sorry. The blue- I need the Sarah, Lor- Sarah Lawrence sequel. Oh, my God. Them at college. I would uh, love to believe that them at college would also be in this weird universe where they can just, like, oh, kill people. And shit show. It'd be fine. Absolutely. It's like frat versus sorority, but they're, like, the weird sorority. A la house bunny, but with murder and death. Oh, my God. The way I would pay money for that movie. The way I'm fan fictioning when I get home. <laughs> She's like. <laughs> like I'm a typewriter. Um, so with a budget of $11 million, it grossed $13 million at the box office, which is a financial success, but a small one. But it went on to be like an instant classic. Everyone that I know have seen this film loves this film. Mm-hmm. Um, I have it in my notes. My favorite film of 2023, question mark. Hmm. I'm sure there's other films that like made me cry and made me think and made me like go, hmm, life is really beautiful. But Are we talking about them on this podcast? No, we're not. So no, what does that tell not. you? <laughs> this is the movie that I could put on. I just love, I really like it. And it makes me laugh constantly. Like I, I just, these jokes really hit for me. Love this movie. I wonder if like, because whenever Mean Girls came out, I was in high school. So of course we watched that film incessantly. Like are high schoolers watching this incessantly? Yeah, I would love to know a high schooler to ask them <laughs> questions about. I would love to know a high schooler. I would not. A correspondent in the field, we just cut to like a high schooler. Being They're like, like, what? <laughs> like, Rachel Sennett, how do we feel? And they'd be like, good. Who? <laughs> Who? All right, let's move on to the scores. Lizzie, okay. how does this textual score work? <gasps> so textual scores work like this. We each get to rate the film on a scale of 1 to 10 for how gay it is and how good it is. We then average those together to get a single subtextual score. All right, Lizzie, how gay is this movie? Nine. Gay sex, but off screen. I'm going to give it a 10. Okay. Lizzie, how good is this movie? For me, don't be mad. For me, six and a half. Great, but I want more. And because I want more, I will see more from these two creators. I'm going to give it a nine. Great. That gives us an overall subtextual score of 8.6. Damn. It's pretty good. Pretty, pretty high good. because it's pretty fucking gay. Pretty fucking and gay. pretty fucking good. Pretty fucking good. Like, this is, if the members of Superbad just admitted that they were gay. Yeah. It That's would be on the this thing. level. That's mm-hmm. the thing because I do love Superbad and covering that film with you made me realize how actually nuanced it is and how queer it is. But yeah, they never actually say it. That's what feels so affirming about this film because in Superbad, if they would have admitted that they were gay and then just went on to try to be in gay relationships, 
so much of the tension and the the like homoeroticism and the subtextuality would have been lifted. Mm -hmm. But with this film, these two characters accept that they're gay. So there's no tension between the two of them and they can actually like be individuals. Yeah, that's true because it never comes back around that these two characters, like their chemistry exceeds beyond the bounds of friendship. Mm -hmm. Not that that, you know, hurts the movie at all, but it just like allows them to be focused on everything else about their lives instead of being hyper fixated on one person. Mm hmm. I'm so glad I'm not in high school anymore. Jesus Christ. This, like, I will say, this brought me back to high school because, like, how unpolished and awkward these girls were. I was 20 times that. In high school, I— And it was pe painful. People would say, these are the best years of your life. I'm sorry, I better damn hope not. I'd be like, you better cherish it. I remember being gay and in the closet being like, every day in here is a prison and all I want to do is be out of here. Oh my God. And there's never been a day where I've been like, wow, wish I could go to high school. <gasps> Those were the best years of my life. <laughs> I would only go back to high school to be like, fuck you, fuck you, and to avoid everyone I ever dated. Absolutely. Love Even the gay guy? We never dated. Who's gay? <laughs> <laughs> All right, till next time, you fucking bottoms. Bye, bottoms. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to keep this content ad-free, please consider supporting us on patreon.com slash textualpod. See you next week.